Uh, I have a twofold prayer that's on my heart for you this morning. Here's the first part of it. <clears throat> my prayer is, is that you will be hungry for God. That you will be hungry for God. Listen, I can solve 90% of the problem of your Christianity if you just get hungry for God. All right, listen to this statement. The proof of, let me make sure I get it right, okay? The proof of desire is pursuit. Let me say it again. The proof of desire is pursuit. What does that mean, Pastor? Whatever you're putting your time, your talent, or your treasure into is what you desire. So you can say, I can say, oh, honey, my wife, I, I, Vicki, I desire you. But if I put all my time and my energy and my talent into other things beside her, then it's just simply not true. The proof of desire is pursuit. My prayer for you this morning is that you have an absolute ravenous hunger for God. It says in Psalms that as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for thee. So my my prayer is, is that your spiritual tongue is stuck to the roof of your mouth and that you're thirsty and hungry for God. Here's my second prayer for you, and that is that you see. You see who you are. Now, I've prayed over my children their entire life that they'd be hungry for God. I've prayed it over them since they were little, and I continue to pray it over them, and I pray it over my granddaughter now that they're hungry for God. The second thing I pray over them, and I pray this over you every day out of Ephesians and Colossians, I pray that the eyes of your heart, your heart, are flooded with light. Listen, you have two sets of eyes. You have these eyes, but you also have eyes in your heart. And I pray that the eyes of your heart are flooded with light, the light of the good news of the gospel, and that you see who you are. You get a revelation of who you are, who you belong to. That's my two prayers this morning for you. Now, here's the challenge. Here's the challenge I face. I want you to be able to see what I see. I want you to be able to see what I see. Listen, every single Sunday, I want to show you what God is showing me. And, and sometimes it happens just like last Sunday. And it's summertime, and I know it, and I'm guilty of it too. Last Sunday, everybody just kind of seemed tired. And so it's hard for me to give you what God is showing me. Listen, if you'll put a demand on God, if you'll put a demand on the anointing of God and the anointing and the call that God's placed in my life, see, I believe that one of the reasons you're here, and this may not include everybody, but I bet it's 99% of you. I'm your pastor and you're at Tulia Christian Fellowship and you see God's called me here. God's anointed me and he's put a gift on the inside of me to bless you and to minister to you. But now you have a part to play in that. You have to put a demand. All right. Just like right here, there's plugs on each side of this uh, platform and we all know there's electricity inside of that plug, but nothing happens until you put a demand on it. Until you put a plug into it, nothing happens. Okay. It's the same way with the things of God. See, you've got to quit coming to church. And I'm not saying you're doing this. I just want you to understand. You've got to quit coming to church just to kind of pay your dues or to punch your ticket. Of course, it's the right thing to do. You want to come into this place and you want to plug into God. And you want to plug into him in praise and worship. You want to plug into him in your giving. You want to plug into him as I teach the word. And you put a demand. Now, here's the good news. One of the verses that I pray over my kids also is in Isaiah, and it says, great is the peace of my children because they're taught of the Lord. Okay, the Holy Spirit's the teacher. 
the Holy Spirit's the teacher. All right, now I'm going to teach this morning, but he's going to take the eternal truths of the word of God and he's going to teach you and he's going to show you and he's going to shine the light of his love into your heart. And my prayer, and I know he's doing it, is you'll leave this place and you'll understand who you are and you'll understand what belongs to you. That's my prayer for you this morning. The last several weeks we've been talking about the Bible in two words. The Old Testament is due. The New Testament is done. In the Old Testament, you had to do, do, do. You had to keep the rules. You had to be obedient. You had to keep the law. If you did, you were blessed. If you didn't, you were cursed. The curse was three things. It was poverty. Poverty is a curse. It was sickness. Sickness is an enemy. You know that, don't you? Sickness, sickness is not your friend. Sickness is an enemy. That's why we spend billions of dollars in research and build hospitals and clinics. It's because sickness is an enemy. That was part of the curse. Then the third part of the curse is spiritual death. So if you were disobedient, you were cursed. If you were obedient, you were blessed. Now I'm going to read to you this morning out of Deuteronomy chapter 8, starting with verse 1. Hang on one second. Is Kurt in here? Nope. Can somebody go get him? Please? Okay, Deuteronomy 28, starting with verse 1. It's on the screen. I'm going to read it to you. Listen to what it says. Is this the new living? It is the new living. Hang on one second. I've uh, jacked up my deal. Hang on, hang on, yeah. Be, be, Lord, bless it, amen? Pastor touched it. I, I messed it up. Can you fix it for me, brother? <laughs> He's my tech man. All right, let's read it while he fixes it. Listen to what it says. It says, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commandments that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. And stop right there. Now, there were three reasons. If you lived in the Old Testament, there were two reasons why you couldn't have this. Number one, you're a Gentile. You're not a Jew. So you're outside of the covenant. You're outside of the promise of God. And you had no access to it. The second reason you couldn't have this is because you couldn't keep the standard. What I just read to you says you have to carefully obey all all the commandments. Well, no one can do that, so you don't qualify. Now, fast forward into the New Testament. The reason sometimes you don't get it in the New Testament, even though it belongs to you, is because you don't know what belongs to you. The Bible says we perish for a lack of knowledge. Let me continue to read. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and your flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and your breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do will be blessed. Leave that up there, please. Wherever you go and whatever you do will be blessed. Go ahead. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they'll scatter from you seven. Now, leave that up if you would, please. You have one primary enemy, and his name's Lucifer. He's the devil. 
Okay, you do have an enemy. And within that, he wants to attack you with things, okay? Maybe your enemy today is you don't have enough money to pay your bills. Maybe your enemy today is sickness or disease or you've gotten a bad report. Maybe your, en- your enemy today is you're having trouble in your marriage or with your kids. Maybe your enemy today is depression or to discouragement. But the promise is whatever enemies you face, they're going to come against you one way, but God's going to cause them to flee seven ways. Put the next one up. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do. Now, stop right there. Did you hear what that says? God says, I'll guarantee a blessing on everything you do. I'll guarantee a blessing on everything you do. Is that not incredible? Okay, God's guarantees are good. Amen. I will guarantee a blessing on everything you do. I'll fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he's giving you. Can you go to the next? Thank you. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God... Walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people as he swore he would do. Thank you, son. Now, let me go to the next verse. I'm going to go to Galatians 3, 13 and 14. What did I just read to you? Well, I read to you the blessing of obedience in the Old Testament. You don't get it because you're not a Jew. You don't get it because you're not obedient enough. And you don't get it because you don't know it belongs to you. Jesus is going to fix the first two, and we're going to fix the last one. Look what it says in Galatians 3.13. It says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Stop right there. This is the tree. The cross is the tree. The verse I just read to you says that Jesus took your curse of disobedience, your curse of sin. When you said, Jesus, come into my heart and be my Savior, he took your curse, he took your sin, he took your disobedience. Jesus was cursed on the tree. Listen to what it says. Christ has redeemed you. He's purchased you. He's bought you from the curse. He was made a curse for you. For it's written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Now listen to me very carefully. The moment you made Jesus your Savior... You never have been or you never will be in the future cursed by God. Now, let me say it again. You never have been, you never will be cursed by God because God put your curse on Jesus. So if he put your curse on Jesus and then will, he decides to put it back on you, he's unjust. That's not the heart of God. He won't do it. Listen, you're not cursed by God because Jesus took your curse. Let me continue to read what it says. It says that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The moment you accepted Christ into your life, Jesus paid for your curse, but you get the blessing. The list I just read to you, that your family's blessed, that everywhere you go and everything you do will be blessed. Why do I get that? You get that because you belong to Jesus. Now, I'm going to go to Galatians 3, 26 and 29. Listen to what it says. It says, for we are all sons of God. Now, you can say son or daughter, but I'm going to use the word son. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Stop right there. Listen to me. You're not a slave. You're not an orphan. 
You're not a servant. Now, I serve God. I'm not saying I don't serve God, and I want you to serve God. But I don't serve God from being a servant. I serve God from being a son. There's a huge difference. I'm not a slave. I'm not an orphan. I've not been abandoned, and I'm not a servant. I'm a son. I've been placed as a son into the kingdom when I accepted Jesus at the cross. My older brother paid for my curse. I'm a son with all the rights, all the benefits, and all the privileges of sonship. Are you with me? I have a key to the front door. I'm welcome in the house. I can get in the refrigerator. I can go out and get the car out of the garage. I can go down to the dock and get on the boat. I can get back from the boat and get in the swimming pool, get out of the swimming pool and get in the hot tub. Well, God doesn't have any of that. How do you know he doesn't? How how do you know he doesn't? You need to change who you think God is. You know, he's not this old man with a beard sitting in a big old stone castle with the cold wind blowing through it. The Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy. So that just might be a 63 split window Corvette Stingray. I'm just saying. And if he doesn't want to drive it, he doesn't care if his son drives it. Amen? Hey, son, how do you like it? And it won't be green. Or black, or any, it'll be red. Victory red. That's the color of my pickup, by the way. It's not a Corvette, but at least it's red. Amen? Now listen to it. It says, you're all sons through God, through faith in Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to skip down to verse 29. Listen to what it says. It says, now that you belong to Christ. Stop right here. How many of you in this room, you know you belong to Christ? Okay. Okay, so then what I'm about to read belongs to you. Listen to it says, now that you belong to Christ, you're the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. That's one of my favorite words, heir. I'm Abraham's heir. What does that mean? That means everything that belongs to Abraham, everything God promised Abraham belongs to Rusty because I'm his heir. You are his heir and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Jonathan, would you come here and stand right here and help me? Rusty, would you come here and Help me, brother, please, and stand right here. And then, Mike, would you come here and help me and stand right here? I want to show you the timeline again. Scoot over. Okay, Rusty's getting in the middle. All right, this is Abraham. 400-odd years later, this is Moses or Rusty. Hey, big man. And then right here's Jesus. All right, this is a timeline. God shows up in Abraham's life, and he says, Hey, man, you herder, you farmer, Come follow me. I'm going to bless you. We're going to be friends. Man, I'm going to cut a covenant with you. Hey, tonight, when you get, get in bed, get up about 2 in the morning, go outside and look at the stars. And if you can count them, that's how many kids I'm going to give you. Don't tell your wife. <laughs> that would just scare her. Amen? I'm going to bless you in everything you do. And he cuts a covenant with him. Now, what's a covenant? A covenant is a promise that cannot be broken. All right, God said that his covenant with Abraham is an everlasting covenant. Now, this covenant's about 4,000 years old, and it's still in effect today, and it still belongs to you today. See, people say, oh, I don't like the Bible. It's out of date. Are you crazy? Are you crazy? There's contracts in that book that belong to you that you can have. So 400 years later, here comes Moses. And he sends Moses up on the mountain, and they hang out together. And they're together so long that when he comes down, the glory of God's on him. Have you ever been anywhere that you don't usually go out of town, and somebody comes up to you and says, man, do I know you? 
You look familiar. Does that ever happen to you? It happens to me all the time. You know what that is? You look like your father, not your earthly father, your heavenly father. It's the light and the glory of God on you. Everywhere I go, people say, do I know you? Do I know your brother? Man, you look familiar. Can I give you a hug? Listen, seriously, when that happens to you, it's the glory of God in your life. And they just, they don't even know how to explain it, but they recognize it. And I know we're good looking anyway, right? I mean, they're not, that's bad, isn't it? Moses gets the law. Would you point it, Mike, please? All the law is supposed to do is show you your shortcomings. When you show up to Moses and Moses has this book of rules and you think, I can't do this, that's exactly what you're supposed to think. And then when you look up at him, you think, hey, what's he pointing at? Well, he's pointing at Jesus. So after Moses comes Jesus, the Bible says in the New Testament that the law came by Moses, grace and truth came by Jesus. So I'm not supposed to stop here. I'm not supposed to spend my life trying to keep the rules. I'm supposed to move past here and move to Jesus because the Bible says Jesus fulfilled the law. What does that mean, Pastor? You couldn't keep it. He kept it for you. And so when he fulfilled the law, Moses gets to sit down. Go ahead, Mo. You can go be seated. Not Curly, Mo, and Larry, but Mo, Moses. Amen? Now listen to it. Stay right there, guys. Jesus took your curse of disobedience. He fulfilled and walked out the law for you, and he placed you as a son. Go all the way back from Jesus to Abraham. Every promise God gave to Abraham and to the children of Israel all through the Old and the New Testament, you get to every bit of it, and you get to Jesus. It all belongs to you now listen to it i'm not making this up and now if you belong to christ you're the true children of abraham you are his heirs and god's promise to abraham belongs to you you see that's why i read my bible every day Because you see, I know it's not a book of rules. I know it's not a book of guidelines. I know it's not for old women and kids. It's my covenant. It's my inheritance. It's what belongs to me. That's why I get my nose in it. Because when I find something in there that I know is mine, I grab onto it. Okay, it's kind of like eating out. Now, when I was a kid growing up, we didn't eat out very much. It was a treat to get to eat out. And when we would go eat out, my brother and I and my parents would go eat out. And we would, wherever we would go, the waitress would come up with a menu. And they never handed me a menu, ever. They handed my dad a menu. And my dad would say, Rusty will have a meatloaf and green beans and corn. Rusty will have a hamburger and french fries. I never did say, well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want that. Right? Dad ordered, right? And when they brought the hamburger, I didn't pick anything off of it, or I didn't say, I don't want that on there. When you got it, you ate it because it was a treat. Dad, Dad ordered, except one time. Every Sunday after church, we'd go to Furs. That Furs is still in Amarillo, Texas, and it's over in Wolfland Village. And we would go to that Furs, and there'd be a guy in there playing the piano. Man, we were high class. Man, it was big time, man. I, I didn't like that music. I was hoping he'd rip off into some Led Zeppelin, but he never did, right? You know, I mean, but, but, he, but it's pretty cool, right? And so you'd get your train, you'd go down the line, and you got to pick out what you wanted. 
and you could pick the meat you wanted, the vegetables you wanted, and here's the, here's the treat. You'd get dessert. Now, we never ate out anywhere and got dessert. You'd get dessert. I don't care where we were. I didn't pick what I wanted, and then when the lady would come back, would you like dessert? No, we're not getting dessert. But at first, you could get dessert. Now, man, apple pie, cherry pie. Now, it wasn't as good as mama's, right? But, it, man, I, I, you know, my dad's favorite pie was millionaire pie. Anytime I go to furs, I eat that. Now, let's go to the next level. Now, at furs, it's all you can eat. See, even back then, we didn't get everything we wanted because you had to pay for each item. Now, when you go to furs, you get double meats, man. Yeah, I can get chopped steak and fish. I can get mashed potatoes and gravy and macaroni and cheese. And then when you get to pie, you can get two or three pieces. <laughs> right? Now, listen, Christianity is exactly like that. Christianity is a buffet line, and you can get all you want, or you can get just a little bit. Now, they do something else at first called a delight plate. That's that little old plate. It's little, and they get a little meat and a little vegetable. That's what my wife gets. She gets the delight plate. I don't want no stinking delight plate. Right? I want two meats. I want two vegetables. I want bread and I want two pieces of pie. And the cool thing is, then you can take your ticket and go back to the window and that lady will give you a third piece of pie. That's exactly how the kingdom of God is. You can have all you want. But most of the time, you're satisfied with just enough to get by. The kingdom belongs to you. When you became a Christian, you did not inherit the pew. You inherited the kingdom. All right, man, you can be seated. Let me read to you the next verse. I'm going to go down to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. What am I talking about? The blessings of Abraham belong to you. Anything you find in the New Testament, anything you find in the Old Testament, you can have because you're an heir of God and you're welcome in his presence. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 10 verse 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Stop right there. What's the most holy place in heaven? Well, it has to be where God is. It's, the, it's, it's God's presence. It's the throne room. Would you not agree with me? Okay, now what does this verse say? It says that you and I can boldly. Now, what does that mean? That means you go in with your head up, not with pride, not with arrogance, but you go in knowing you belong. You see the difference? Instead of with your head down, kind of shameful, hoping maybe that nobody notices you as you slip in the door. See, if you have a shred of guilt or shame in your life, you don't go in with your head up. But when you understand who you are, when you understand Jesus paid for your sin and that he took your curse, you go boldly. Now listen to it. You can enter boldly into the most holy place. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus, not because of what you have or haven't done. By his death, Jesus opened a new and living way through the curtain into the most holy place. Let me explain that to you. In the Old Testament, there was the temple. Within the temple was called the Holy of Holies. It's where the Ark of the Covenant was. If you've ever seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, that golden chest, that was the Ark of the Covenant. That's what it looked like. The high priest, the guy who was on top, the big guy, he would go in once a year to offer blood for the sins of the people. 
Nobody else went in but him. There was a big, tall curtain, and he slipped in there once a year to offer blood. And if he didn't do it right, he died. Now, one thing God told the priest was this. When you go in, make sure you don't sweat. Now, that seems weird. You think, what, what, why would God care if you sweat? Here's why. Because sweat represents work. Listen to me. There's no work in serving God. It's all grace. You don't sweat it out serving Jesus. Listen, the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. The sinner's the one suffering, trying to do something. I live in the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. My debt's been paid. I'm no longer cursed, and I'm a son. You don't have to sweat. So if he would go in there and he would sweat, he'd fall over dead. They had a rope around his ankle, and they would drag him out because you didn't go in there. Jesus dies on the cross, and that curtain is torn in half. Not from the bottom to the top, but from the top to the bottom. God got a hold of that curtain, and he ripped it in half. Why? What does that matter? What's, what does that mean, Pastor? Here's what it means. It meant that every person had access to God, not just the priest. How do you get access to God? You get access to God by knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you lived in the Old Testament and you were a born-again Christian, you could have walked right in there and you could put your hands on the Ark of the Covenant. Why? Because you have God on the inside of you. Now, here's the amazing thing. You have access to God. Now, let me continue reading. Listen to what it says. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house. Now, let me say something, folks. Do you know who your priest is? It's Jesus. Do you know who rules heaven? Jesus. Listen to it. And since we have a great high priest who rules God's house, verse 22, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts fully trusting him. Now stop right there. Now I'm going to change the wording on that a little bit. And I'm going to make it kind of southern. You know what that says? It says, come on in. That's what it says. God says, come on in. Come on in where? Come on into my presence. Why? Because the blood has paid the price and you're welcome in the house. You're welcome in the most holy place. You're welcome in the throne room. Now, let me just give you a couple of simple examples. Let's say you got on a plane this afternoon and you flew to New York City and you went to Trump Towers and you went into the, to the front and you said, hey, I need to see Donald Trump. I got to talk to him. I'm from Tulia. You know what they'd say? Get on out of here. Right, right. Okay, let's say you went to Amarella and you went to Trinity Fellowship. And Jimmy Evans is the pastor there and he's a good man and that's a great church, but they're huge. And you went into the front desk and you said, hey, I need to see Pastor Jimmy Evans. They would say, you can't see Pastor, but we can make you an appointment with one of our pastors, but you can't see Pastor Jimmy. They wouldn't let you. Okay, let's do another one. Let's say you got in your plane and you flew to the White House and you went up to the gate and you said, hey, I'm Rusty and I'm from Tulia and I need to see the president. I got to talk to him about some things. Of course, we know what they would say. No, get out of here. You can't see the president. He's too busy. He's too important. Here's the amazing thing. You know what the God of the universe, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Bible says he rides on lightning. You know what he says? Come on in. Come on in. Hey, Father, I need to talk to you. Come on in. Hey, Father, I got some stuff going on. Come on in. Hey, hey Father, I got, I, got, I got some stuff happening in my life. Come on in. Come on into the most holy place. 
Come on into where God is. Come on into where the angels fly and they have six wings. And two cover their eyes and two cover their feet. And with two they fly. And they fly around the throne continually and they never stop. And they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come forevermore. Come on in. Hey, Jason, come on in. Hey, Kirk, come on in. But you know what we do? Well, we don't go in. We take it for granted. We're too busy. We're too discouraged. Listen to what it says. It says, Jesus, by his blood, made a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. Jesus paid the price. Are you with me? All right. I want to read the latter part of Hebrews 10. Hang on a minute here. All right, now listen to this. It says, By new and living way he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Pastor, what's that mean? Well, let me explain it to you. It's amazing. The blood of Jesus has cleansed you and restored you, and you're born again. This verse right here says that you're washed with water. You're changed by it. The next verse I want to read to you is Ephesians 5.25. Would you go there, please? Ephesians 5.25 and 26. Listen to what this says. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Next verse. That he, now this is talking about Jesus. And it can be husbands too, that he might sanctify and cleanse her, her as us, the church, with the washing of water by the word. Now, I want to show you two amazing things in that. First off, our marriages are supposed to be a picture of the kingdom. Men, we're supposed to love our wives the same way Jesus loves us. How does he love us? He's a servant leader. And he gave himself for us. Men, we're supposed to be giving ourselves for our wives. Then the next thing it says is that you and I are cleansed and sanctified by the washing of the water by the word. And here's what I want you to see. Don't miss this. This is so amazing. Listen, every time you read your Bible, every time you read the daily reading or you get on and read the daily verse online, anytime you read your Bible, the word of God is sanctifying you and cleansing you and washing you. It says so right there. I'm not making it up. Every time you read your Bible, every time you read a scripture, when you hear it on the radio, however you get it, it's washing you, it's sanctifying you, and it's cleansing you. Well, why does that matter, Pastor? Well, here's why. Because we live in a dirty world. We live in a messed up world. And you get junk on you. Okay, this morning, we do men's life group in between our two services across the street at Ground Zero. Every Sunday morning at about 5 or 10 after 10, we meet over there. We just hang out. We talk. We visit. And there's always food. Okay, this morning, it's my turn to get food. And so I get breakfast burritos from Sonic. Cody brings food. Different ones have food. But there's always food to eat. Just a little note here, guys. If you're hungry for breakfast at 10 o'clock right over here, we have food. So it's my turn to get it. So I call Sonic to make burritos. Well, now, Sonic doesn't open till 8 o'clock on Sunday, and so I need to get 10 burritos, and so I'm calling them, and they won't answer their phone. 
So we call once, we call twice, we call three times. They won't answer their phone. So by that time, I have to get in the car and go down there to order. And while I'm driving down there, here's what I'm thinking. Why won't you answer the phone? That's what I'm thinking. So I pull up to the little window to order. And the little girl opens the window and sticks her head out. And she goes to church here. I want to yell at her, but I can't. (laughs) Pastor, what are you doing? You know what I want to say? Well, I needed burritos, but you won't answer the phone. (laughs) But I didn't do that. So I ordered 10 burritos. I parked the car. I got out and I waited. And then she made them and she gave them to me and I had them over there. Why why does this matter, Pastor? Here's why. Because I got junk on me. You know, your anger, your hurt, your unforgiveness, your resentment. As you walk through life, you get junk on you. You carry it with you. But when you get in the Word of God, it washes it off of you. And you're cleansed, and you're sanctified, and you're renewed, and it happens over and over and over and over again. So when God says, hey, Rusty, come on in, and I decide to open the door and go in, I don't have that stuff on me. And I know I don't have it on me. So I got my head held high, I got a smile on my face, and I say, Daddy, I need to talk to you. And he says, Rusty, I need to talk to you. I don't go in like this. Oh, Lord. You know, Lord, I was so mad this morning at the little Sonic girl. I mean, Lord, why won't they answer the dang phone? I don't do that. You know why? Because I'm continually being washed by the Word of God. So I boldly go into His presence. Surely with a humble heart. Absolutely. Surely with a humble heart. Surely with a contrite heart. And there's no pride there. There's no arrogance there. Man, Father, thank you for your love. Thank you that I'm your son and you're my father. And I'm welcome in your presence. I'm a son. I've been chosen. And I'm deeply loved. Listen, if you settle that in your life, it changes everything. See, the reason you don't pray is because you don't think God does love you. Well, if he loved me, why did this happen? Well, if he loved me, why is this going on? You know, the devil gets no more glee than when you blame your father for what the devil's trying to do in your life. He loves that. Come boldly. You know what he said? Come on in. What do you need? Talk to me. Can I encourage you this morning? Talk to God this week. Talk to him as a son. Talk to him as a daughter. Talk to him as, hey, my curse was taken on the cross, and God's not the problem. He's the answer. Amen? All right, y'all stand up and let's pray. Father God, I just want to thank you this morning. Lord, I just want to pray what I started with this, this morning, Father. Lord, I want to lift up every man, every woman, every child and teenager in this service. And God, I pray they'd be hungry for you. God, stir a hunger in these folks for you. That as the deer pants for the water, Lord, their soul would long for you. Lord, nothing in their life would satisfy them until they get connected to you. Father, I also want to pray that their hearts would be flooded with light. 
that they'd see who they are. Holy Spirit, you take the eternal truth of your word that I gave today, and I know you take that seed and you plant it in their hearts, and it brings forth fruit, and they see who they are. They see what belongs to them. They see that they're sons. They see they're not orphans. They're not abandoned. They see that they're loved by you. Father, help them to see who they are and that their lives would be forever changed. Holy Spirit, thank you that throughout the day, throughout this week, you teach us, you remind us, you show us what we heard today. Lord, I'm so grateful and thankful. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hey, I love you guys. Y'all going to be blessed.